Ladies, welcome. And uh, we're continuing our study of the uh, Parashiyot. And we find ourselves in one of the most dramatic moments of the Torah, maybe of all time, at least from a uh, Jewish history perspective, and that is Parashat Vayigash, uh, the revelation of Yosef to the brothers. And uh, I'm not hope I don't spoil the story, I think you know it already. Uh, Yosef says to the brothers, Ani Yosef, how would that be hide? And I'd like to read you exactly the way the Torah says it, because I think that there's a lot of misunderstanding just because we have a way of telling over the story, and a lot of times the way we tell the story is not the way the Torah tells the story, just that we got so used to understanding it in a certain way, so we just say it the way we believe it to be, and then even when we look at the Pesukim, somehow we just stick our interpretations, and that's what the Pesukim is probably meaning also, but if you take the time to study the words, you're probably going to find that there's some differences into the way we believe it happened and to exactly what happened. And Perek Memher, Pasuk Aleph, is a classic example. Velo yachol Yosef lehit apek. So how do you learn that? Right? And that, that's the way I always learned it also. Velo yachol, he, he couldn't. He couldn't what? Lehit apek. He couldn't control himself anymore. Which seems that Yosef was trying to keep the secret, not to reveal himself to the brothers. And he's doing all these different types of, uh, you know, charades, and uh, just stalling and stalling and stalling. And you uh, puts them in jail and bring me Binyamin, anything not to reveal himself. And then it seems that he gets to a point where we would call it a tipping point or a breaking point. And he couldn't control himself anymore, and he just, had to, he just had to let it out. If that's the way you learned it, that's the way I learned it also. <laughs> but that's not the way that she learned. So it's not even like I'm bringing you Kabbalah. <laughs> it's just straight up shot. And I'll tell you the reason why I think we learned it wrong is because we, we stopped at that point in the Pasuk. But there's more words. It says, "Velo yachol Yosef lehit apek lechol hanitzavim alav." Now, what does that mean? Lechol hanitzavim alav to all those that were standing with him, which means he wasn't alone. There were other people in the room. Yosef is the viceroy in Egypt. Clearly, he has an entourage. Clearly, he has, you know, all different servants and workers and all that, and they don't leave him alone for a second. And they're in the room with him. So how do you learn the Pasuk now? Velo yachol Yosef let apek. Yosef wasn't able to control himself. Lechol anitzabim alav. So that she comes along and says, because he reads the whole Pasuk, Lo haya yachol lesbol, shihiyu mitzrim nitzabim alav, v'shum'im she'echad mitbayshim v'hivadeo lahem. Which means... He couldn't tolerate or he couldn't bear that the Egyptian strangers, the Egyptian uh, people, will be in the room 
and his brothers will get embarrassed at the time that he's going to reveal himself. So that's what he couldn't tolerate. It doesn't mean he couldn't, uh, uh, he couldn't control himself anymore. That, that, as if it, it, he let it out because, you know, that's it, the volcano erupted. No, that's not what happened. He wanted to tell the brothers at this point. He was ready to tell the brothers. That wasn't the issue. He wasn't boiling over. But what couldn't he control? He, he couldn't bear the fact that I have to do something at this moment. But I can't bear the fact to do it in front of all these Egyptians. Because it's going to cause my brothers uh, embarrassment. And that's what he couldn't tolerate. Not that he couldn't tolerate holding in the secret anymore. That was no pressure at all. He was in control of that. When he was ready to tell it, he's going to tell it. He just has a technical problem. I can't tell it over to them who I really am as long as these Egyptians are in, are in front of me. And I cannot tolerate for a minute. And Eloi Yachol hit a pick. And what can I not mean with a pick? What can I not bear for a minute to embarrass my brothers? Uh, that my brothers should get embarrassed in front of these strangers. So that's, uh, I mean, that's what we call pshat. Shehayan, you finally learned pshat in a pasuk, and it's just a, a straight up rashi. Now, some of you say, oh, can't be. Is there other commentary besides rashi on this pasuk? Well, there is. So let's now take advantage of the Ibn Ezra. So the Ibn Ezra also learns the word lehitapek like Rashi. He couldn't, he couldn't tolerate. What couldn't he tolerate, says the Ibn Ezra. Lechodanitzabim alav. Ta'amo ad shiyitz'u kolanitzabim alav. He couldn't wait until everybody leaves. Which means Ibn Ezra is saying like this. Yosef has decided to tell the brothers now uh, the news. Why now? I don't know why now. But something happened. The, the alarm went off and told them now's the time. Okay, fine. But once the time came, the problem is he's the viceroy of Egypt and he has a schedule. He has business. And therefore, you know, if he decides to tell the brothers at 10 a.m., but business hours for the viceroy is from 9 to 5. And now you could just imagine how busy Yosef is. And they're bringing him papers and sign this. And you have a meeting with this one. And you, so Yosef can't wait. When is the business day going to be over? And all these people are going to go home. So I could uh, do what I have to do. So that, that's when he can't wait. It's basically saying, I can't wait till... Uh, we get off of work. I can't wait till uh, you know the business day is over and these people will leave and then I can get that back to what I have to do uh, with my brother. So again, according to the Ibn Ezra, it wasn't that Yosef was reached a boiling point. Yosef made a decision at whatever re- for whatever reason to give over the news. And he just says, I, I can't wait now because I, I wish I could say it over now but I got to wait till five o'clock until all these... Uh, Egyptians, uh, you know, uh, uh, go home for the night. So that's Velo Yachol Yosef Etapek, according to the Ibn Ezra. And he didn't wait, by the way. He actually tells them, you know what, take the rest of the day off. And that's what the Pasuk says. Uh, he says, you know what? 
get everybody get get, get everybody out. So that's that's according to um, to the Ibn Ezra. You want to hear the Ramban? I think the Ramban has the most novel of all the interpretations. And he comes along and he says, See, he doesn't like the other interpretations. He quotes Rashi, and he quotes the Ibn Ezra, and uh, he says, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like it. There's a part that I think we, we overlook. Yosef knows exactly what he's doing. He's the only one that knows the whole story. He knows who he is, and he knows, he knows who they are. And therefore, he's able to play this game very well. The brothers that are a loss, because they know who they are, but they don't know who Yosef is. So they're all confused. This guy's unbelievable. One day we're spies. One day we're having lunch with him. The next day he's calling us thieves. He's so erratic, this man. They can't figure him out. But there's somebody else that also can't figure out anything that's going on here. And that's the Egyptians. Because you can only imagine that the Egyptians that work for Yosef, they have a front row seat to this drama. I mean, they're eyewitnesses to Parashat, Miketz, and Bayigash. I mean, they knew about it before we did. They're right there, eyewitnesses. And of course, they know who Yosef is. Yosef is such a rational man. He's the one that saves Egypt from, uh, from bankruptcy. And Yosef is the Bechalkel, uh, uh, he's the Mefarnes, he's the one that's supplying all the food. Everybody has the utmost respect for Yosef who is, uh, in, in their minds, is a prophet. And all of a sudden, they start to see an irrational side of Yosef that they never saw before. All of a sudden, people come down, and for no reason whatsoever, you're spies. Why are they spies? What, what, did, what did they do? And all of a sudden, uh, Yosef, after calling them spies, has no problem then to send them back home. But if the spies kill them, now, nobody has, the, I guess, the guts to ask Yosef, what are you doing? Because he's, he's a viceroy. You don't question. And then all of a sudden, he tells one of his men, now go take the money that they paid for the food and put it back in their sack. What is that all about? And then he tells them, oh, you're Ganavim. And then a couple of minutes later, or days later, I'll go take my gavia, my, my goblet, and go put it in uh, Benjamin's sack. And, and, and they must be scratching their head and saying, these poor guys... What does he want from them? I mean, this is, this, this is so unfair. <laughs> so not only, not only do the brothers don't know what's going on, but uh, the Egyptian people also are, are shocked. And now Yehuda comes into the Perashah. That's how the Perashah begins with Yehuda. And Yehuda starts to plead, if you remember the beginning of the Perashah. This is after uh, Yosef tells him, no problem, you can all go home. Just leave me Benjamin. He's the one that stole the goblet anyway. And, uh, and they say, no, we'll all be your slaves. We're not splitting up the family. And I mean, it sounds like a great deal. Instead of one slave, you get 11. And Yosef says, no, I'm not, I'm not greedy. I'm not looking for 11. I just want Benjamin. 
And they're watching this, the Egyptians say, what is, what is he doing? Why, why would you punish all 11 for the crime of one? And they know that it's not even a crime. Because they were told to put the goblet in. I mean, this is unbelievable. And this is a man of, of, of supposed to be righteous and just. And this, I, he's always telling everybody, uh, Ha'elohim, he's always invoking God's name. I mean, it doesn't sound like such a religious man over here. And then all of a sudden Yehuda comes along and says, please, I don't think that's the tone that he spoke. <laughs> At all not. But he says, you're like Paro. What did he mean when he said you're like Paro? Rashi gives four interpretations. I don't think there's a Rashi in the Torah that gives four interpretations of anything. This might be the only time in the whole Torah that Rashi gives four interpretations. There's a lot of threes and a lot of twos, but this is a, this is a four. Anyway, I'm not telling you Rashi. Go look at Rashi, the beautiful interpretations. I saw a fifth interpretation that basically uh, uh, what Yehuda was saying, listen, there's one way that you could let Binyamin out. And that's what the President of the United States does uh, every, uh, every year or every uh, four years. Uh, and that's a royal pardon. The President has a right doesn't matter what criminal he wants, take a list and just say, Patur. And that's uh, one of the advantages. And, um, and we've seen some of the greatest royal pardons in our time. Uh, we saw Rabashkin uh, receive the royal pardon. Uh, we saw Jonathan Pollard. Great, 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 great freedom. I met him in Israel a couple of months ago. So therefore, we've seen it in our time. So, but only the king can do a royal pardon. So what Yehuda is asking to Yosef, uh, you're like Paro. And therefore, I mean, just like Paro could do it, so you could, you could, you could write the same uh, declaration, even though he might have stolen, and even though he's guilty, so what? Uh, the law is that you can uh, let him go. That's what he's, so he's pleading with him. And then he comes along and he says, hey, listen, we came down to Egypt to get food. Uh, you asked us, do we have a father? Do we have a brother? We told you we have an old man father. We told you we have a younger brother at home. We told you about his brother that died. And then you said, okay, bring him down. And we said, please, it's difficult. We can't bring him down. It's going to kill the old man. Yaakov Abinu is going to be so upset about it. He'll die. <clears throat> and you said, oh, if you don't bring him down, then you're all going to, you can't come back for food anymore. So we went back to our father, and our father was so upset that we had to bring Benjamin down. And this is Yehuda pleading. And the Egyptians are watching this, and you know what they're saying? Poor guy. I mean, they, they hear Yehuda, and they see that Yosef is stoic. Yosef is like no reaction. So the Ramban says, the Egyptians started to pressure Yosef and tell Yosef, enough is enough. We can't take this anymore. I mean, what are you doing? It, it's not fair. I mean, these people are innocent. I mean, you, you've been acting strangely for, for so many uh, days already, and we can't make heads or tails of it, but uh, enough is enough. So the Ramban says, They were pressuring Yosef, Let him go. 
Ki nikmeru rahamehem. They were filled with mercy. Al taharunei Yehuda. It means Yehuda, maybe he didn't think he was convincing Yosef, but he was definitely convincing everybody else. The peanut gallery was getting definitely influenced. Velo yachon Yosef lehitchazek lekulam. He couldn't overpower their pressure. So he learns Ramban the word lehit apek to overpower. Velo yachon Yosef lehitapek. He couldn't withstand the pressure. What pressure? Not, not, not the pressure. According to Ramban, it seems that he would have kept it on for longer. It sounds like according to Ramban, on the contrary, not only didn't Yosef reach the boiling point, he was, he was going to keep it up for who knows how much longer. Until the Nitzavim Alav got involved. And Yosef Nitzavim Alav. When all the Nitzavim started to tell him, you're wrong, it's not right, stop it, come on already. And all of a sudden two guys jumped in, and it was five guys, it was ten guys. Oh, he's right, he's right. And everybody's piling on. And before you know it, they have a, uh, a petition online against Yosef uh, for, for, you know, uh, crimes against, uh, uh, you know, uh, humanity. So therefore, they, uh, it, 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 the, the pressure mounted so much that Yosef just said, all right, everybody out. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of what I have to do. You'll understand in two minutes exactly uh, what, what's going to happen over here. So that's, that's according to him. So therefore he says, So they left. Uh, and then when they left, everybody starts crying, of course, because it's emotional. And they all heard. And then it's, oh, that's what happened? Uh, which, 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 by the way, this is just a side point. Uh, and we have to make these points. Because if we're learning homash, these are points that we might skip over. When Yosef is going to say to the brothers, Ani Yosef, and it's going to become revealed. And it's a lot the brothers there, they were shocked. Uh, so, wow, that's, they, 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 they were actually stunned. Who else was stunned? There's somebody else in this story that's just as shocked. I'm going to even say more shocked. Right, and that Binyamin. <laughs> because Binyamin doesn't know anything about the story. Binyamin was just there for the ride. Yosef knows... He was the victim. The brothers know what they did. So once Yosef said, Ani Yosef, so the brothers are aware of everything. That's full circle. Okay, we know exactly what happened. And Benjamin scratching his head, what, what are they talking about? I am Yosef that you sold me down to Egypt. And Benjamin at that point has to say, I didn't know this. Nobody ever told me that you, my brothers, you sold my brother down to Egypt? Uh, uh, please, uh, uh, I need a little explanation. So not only are the brothers shocked that it's Yosef, but Benjamin is, I would even say, maybe more shocked. Because he doesn't know anything. See, at least when Yosef's Ani Yosef, everything becomes understood. Surprising as it is, but now, okay, we understand what's happening. But the only one that's in the dark now is Benjamin, where he might be saying... What's happening over here? Why did you sell him? How did it sell? How did it happen? So that's just a, 
uh, a side point that I think Binyamin was just as shy. But now that we have that out of the way, uh, which is an important introduction, I really didn't come to talk about that part, but once and for all we settled it. I came to really ask the million dollar question that all the Mepharshim ask. And that is, what happened in Parashat Vayigash, in Perik Memheb Pasuk Aleph, that Yosef decides to reveal himself? What happened? The, the Torah doesn't tell us any of that. The Torah just says, came Perik Memheb, and something happened. Yosef already decides, now's the time, and now he's got to deal with all the Egyptians that are around him and all the different issues that he has to, you know, contend with. But for some reason, uh, again, keep the Ramban on the side, because the Ramban's saying uh, the reason why he did it now because he couldn't withstand the pressure. That's one reason. But let's go according to the other opinions. The other opinions, like Rashid that said, no, he, he wanted to tell the brothers at this point, he just couldn't tolerate that there's going to be some uh, eavesdroppers uh, in the room and that'll embarrass the brothers, but he was fine and well to tell the brothers at this point. And I'm asking you, what happened? I'll ask it better. Why didn't he tell them on day one? That's the real question. When they came down to Egypt, day one, so Yosef sees them. So Yosef says, you know what? We're going to save... Uh, a lot of ink in the Torah. We'll save two parashiyot over here. Uh, we'll save you. You can get out of shul early. You won't have these, this whole long story. Ani Yosef, day one. And the brothers will say, wow, that's amazing. We can't believe you're Yosef. And it's, it's just as exciting. Why does, he, uh, why does he draw it out? Oh, so, so you're, you're, you're onto something. And the other question that all the Mepharshim ask even if you have an answer for that question or those questions. There's another question that has to be asked. What about Yaakov? What I mean to say is, why doesn't Yosef send a letter to Yaakov to tell him, uh, hi dad, uh, in Egypt, all's well, uh, send money. Why can't why can't he send him a send him a postcard send him a send him a messenger? He's the vi- I understand when he was in jail, you only get one phone call. So okay, they, maybe he called his lawyer. He doesn't want to call his father first. Okay, maybe that's for twelve years. You could tell me he didn't have access to the post office. But after he becomes the viceroy in Egypt, I mean, very simple. He called one of his guys, here's my father's address, three uh, Rehov Yaakov Abinu, go there, tell him his son's all right, everything's fine, I'm beseder, and, uh, and uh, you know, if he wants to come visit me, or maybe I'll go visit him, what's the problem? And he's got to know that his father is suffering. And by the way, it's confirmed when the brothers come down. And the brothers keep on telling him, oh, we have an old father, he's at home, and since, since he lost his other son, he hasn't gotten over it. Very good. So stop right there. Stop right there. Go call him down. Let him know I'm alive. Why would Yosef, even if he wants to play games with the brothers, I mean, 
there's a law that says you have to honor your older brother. I mean, I remind my siblings of that all the time. But put, put that on the side. Even if he doesn't want to follow the law of kavod ahim, but kibud av, I mean, now you're dealing with uh, explicit Ten Commandments stuff. So what's the explanation? So you are correct. There are different theories that the Rishonim uh, discuss. Uh, the Ramban has a, uh, a theory. Uh, I could bring you the Ramban's theory if you want to hear it. It's in Perek Membet, Pasuk Zion. It's actually in last week's parasha. Membet Zion. Membet Zion. Let's see what he says. So the Pasuk says over here, Oh, Ramban. Mm. Mm. Well, I made, actually, I made a copy of it, so I'll just read it from my copy. Although I like to read it from the... Let's see if I can find it here better. Membet... Okay, here it is. I got it. So the Pasuk says, when he sees the brothers the first time. How does the Torah introduce that? So the first thing when he sees the brothers, he doesn't remember anything but the dreams. Dreams. So what is that? So he says, because they're bowing to him. So, oh, deja vu. I knew they're going to bow to me because that was the dream. So the Ramban says, but it's not the full dream because in my dream it said the 11 are going to bow to me and only 10 are bowing to me. So therefore, uh, I have to do everything in my capability to make sure that these dreams come true because after all, these are not just, you know, uh, Freudian dreams. These are prophecies. And I have to do everything in my ability, says the Ramban, to make sure that the dreams will have, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, have a re- they'll come to reality, to fruition. And therefore, I got to get Benjamin down. And how am I going to do that? So I'll make a whole story, and eventually Benjamin will come down, and then he'll bow to me, and then everything will be fine. So he says, I'm reading Ramban. Since he didn't see Benjamin, Tahbula is a strategy. That's why I had to do this whole, maybe you call it a trick. He'll have false claims against them. So they'll bring Benjamin to fulfill the dream. Because if he, if he spills the beans, as we say in America, right away, it's Ani Yosef, uh, they got the dreams. They didn't bow to you yet. You ruined everything, Yosef. Uh, uh, that's not good. So then he says, If it wasn't for this, if this wasn't his motivation, 
Yosef would be considered making a big sin. Litsa'ir et Aviv. Causing his father such sa'ar. yamim rabim. To leave him there for so many years. Bishkol ve'evel al Shimon. Well, he was upset about Shimon when he put Shimon in jail. But even before Shimon, he was upset about Yosef. And even if you want to tell me he wanted to, you know, uh, cause his brothers some pain. How can he have mercy on his father? He did everything right. So if he's going to tell his father, you eh, ruined the dreams. Because it has to happen uh, the way it has to happen. And if he tells fathers alive, then they're not going to bow to him, and they're not going to come down in the right way. So that's why Yosef. So it's not like Yosef, God forbid, was trying to disrespect his father, but he was, uh, <clears throat> he was respecting the dreams. And that's, that's the Ramban. And I think that's what some of you were, were trying to say, uh, you know, in, 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 uh, in defense of Yosef. Now, not everybody agrees with the Ramban. I mean, I have over here uh, a Kliyakar. I'll just read you one of the lines of the Kliyakar. This is a, this is a homage class. That's how you learn homage. Not some tell stories outside. Because once you start telling stories outside, you're going to you run into big problems because you, you're not reading the text. And then you're telling your own story. In this class over here, we're bound by the words. And we're bound by the hachamim that are interpreting it. So you'll never have a problem. It's all in the book. Kliyakar comes along and says, yeah, That's what the Ramban said. So the dreams uh, will come true. Facing out the Kliyakar saying, Hashem doesn't need any help. Just like Yosef didn't do anything to have the dreams, the dreams are from God. So God says, don't worry about Yosef. Yosef, you just do what you have to do. I'll make sure that the dreams will come true. It's not your responsibility to now, I don't want to say play God, but to inter- interfere now and start, though, I got to help Hashem because Hashem says, don't worry, I don't need any help. So now, I, I couldn't say that against the Ramban, but the Kliyakar had no problem. I have, I have a, if you want to hear a proof, a proof or, or, or something similar to this, let's assume that when Rivka was pregnant, and she didn't know what was going on with this pregnancy because it was, you know, it was confusing to her. So she goes to Shem Ve'evet, to the yeshiva. And what happened when she got there? So they say, oh, very simple. It's two. And you have to know that the older one, the older one is going to serve the younger one. Oh, so that means Yaakov is the main one. Now let's assume for a second, and I know not everybody's going to agree with this in the Mefarshim, but let's assume for a second, simple, that Rivka came home, 
she was married to Yitzhak. You have to assume that she told Yitzhak, I just went to the yeshiva, and I have good news about my pregnancy, which you have something to do with, obviously. Uh, the rabbi said, that uh, the younger one is the main one, and the older one is uh, whatever, is nothing. Now, if Yitzhak knows this, so he does nothing to make it happen. On the contrary, Yitzhak just acts the way he thinks. And Yitzhak said, well, now that I know that Ravya wants Sa'ir, so then he says, and I can't interfere with God's business. If he wants that to happen, I will act like I act, and the promise will come true. And guess what? That's what happened. Yitzhak thought to give the Barakot to Esav, and Hashem worked it out, and don't worry. Yitzhak, you won't interfere with anything. So even Yitzhak was going the other way, the prophecy still came true. So they were... What am I showing you? Hashem doesn't need help. Even if Yosef is going to fight the prophecies, that's the Kliyakar's claim. Okay, so let's put that on the side. Then. Okay, what's another theory, what Yosef was doing? What Ahim Kadosh says, what he was doing was, he was doing uh, Tikkun. Rectification. Hey, listen, the, the, the brothers need, uh, they need kapara for what they did. So therefore, uh, I'm going to have to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be the representative uh, from, from Hashem in order to give the Gehinam that they deserve for what they did to me. And therefore, I'm going to give them a very, very precision, uh, uh, you know, punishment. Exactly, midah keneged midah, and... And when I feel that they're absolved, then I'll say, you know, I need Yosef. So it's basically Yosef giving the tikkun. And the mefarshim on that will say, uh, is it the job of man to settle the rectification? Or is that God's business? I mean, schar va'onesh is up to Hashem. Everybody's going to come along. I I have a lot of people that did things to me in life. So now I'm going to come along and settle all the scores. And Rabbi, what is he doing? Uh, trust, I'm making a tikkun for them. Well, that's why you took a baseball bat at him on that? Yes. That's why, exactly why I did it. And that's why uh, you know, I'm going to do a lot of other things to him because he needs this tikkun over. Now, of course, Yosef is much more Hashem Shemaim than, than me, obviously, and he knows how to do it better. But the Mephanshim ask on that opinion, isn't that revenge? Where's, where's, the, where's the line between tikkun and revenge? And when God does it, it's not revenge, because God's just making him a rectification. But when Yosef does it, and that's an answer that we've heard for many years, and I'm not rejecting it, but that's the problem with it. So we have to present a third. What was Yosef doing over here? And what I'm going to present you this afternoon is a novel interpretation. I saw it in a sefer called Lev Melech. You don't need me. You can just open up the Lev Melech yourself. Uh, it's like an audio book. I'm just going to read you the Lev Melech. It's a beautiful, beautiful theory. In, in, in no. It's the Lev Melech in uh, Parashat Miketz. But you need an introduction. Let's go back 
and try to understand why the brothers and Yosef had this mahlokit. What, what was the mahlokit about? What, what were the brothers so angry about? They must have been very angry because it, they wanted to kill him. So that means this was something that was in their minds punishable by death. What crime did Yosef commit? Speaking in Lashon Hara? All right, that's not punishable by death. Uh, you know, that, uh, okay, that's a couple of, uh, you know, read the Hafez Haim's book and uh, you'll be cured. W- w- what did Yosef do that got the brothers so, uh, so angry to do what they did? So the Mephashim explained it, and this is an important way to understand. They felt, again, they must have had proofs to prove this, that Yosef is trying to box them out from being the, the heir, I don't mean physical heir, but the spiritual heir of Yaakov Aminu. And they say to themselves, well, listen, we know till now that Yitzhak, Abraham had two children. And Yitzhak is in and Yishmael's out. Okay, so it's, it's Yitzhak. And then Yitzhak has two children. And uh, Yaakov is in and Esav is out. And now, so Yaakov has a lot of children. And all of a sudden they see Yosef positioning himself in some way and maybe Yaakov also treating Yosef in a certain way. And they're getting to the notion to think that here we go again. Now, we're not Ishmael. We're not Esav. We're Sadiqim just as much as Yosef is. And here he wants to move the Jewish people through him. Was not true. But that's what they're thinking. Now we know it's not true because we know the Shepatim and we know that everybody's in. But we're talking now in real time when it's happening. They don't have all the commentary we have that'll explain after the fact what happened. They're living it, so they say, what's going on over here? Yosef is trying to very make a narrow path for Jewish people that it's got to come from Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Yosef, and everybody else. Now, if that's the case, you have a status of a rodef. Rodef means you're pursuing me. You're pursuing us. You're trying to... This is a, 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 a rodef where the halakha says if somebody's trying to Knock you out, you knock him out first. So the brothers come along and they decide not to kill him. What happened? This is what we call a, a commuted sentence. They, they lowered his sentence. What happened? Explanation is they said, well, what's the objective? We just got to get Yosef out of the way. Because as long as he's in the way, He's going to try to influence our father to think that he's the only son and he's going to try to knock us away. So you don't have to kill him for that. You can just send him down to Egypt and he'll get lost somewhere in Egypt and it accomplishes the same thing without killing him. That's why they were able to send him down to Egypt and they get the best of both worlds. We get rid of Yosef, we don't have to kill our brother and it accomplishes the same thing. Shalom al-Yisrael, not shalom al al-Yisrael, but it serves the same Purpose. Understand how we're learning? That's a big, big inyan. 
And Yosef knows this. Yosef was the victim. He knows what they're thinking. He heard them talking. Now here's the punchline. And you're not going to believe it, but this is what he says. What would happen in Yosef's mind if the brothers come down to Egypt and on day one Yosef tells the brothers Ani Yosef what will they do to him? They'll kill him. That's why he can't say Ani Yosef to them immediately because the brothers sent them down to Egypt to get rid of him. And if they think that that's Yosef and he's still a threat, so therefore, and don't tell me, how could they kill him? He's the viceroy. Well, Yehuda was going to kill him in this week's Parashah and he had no problem with being the viceroy. And Shimon and Levi were able to take on the whole entire city of Shechem at 12 years old. And they had no problem. So Yosef knows good and well that if the brothers want to kill him, he can be the viceroy of Egypt. The brothers are more powerful than the Mossad. They can come in and knock him off, viceroy or not viceroy. So therefore, Yosef, he cannot tell the brothers and the Yosef on day one because of Pikuah Nefesh. And that's why he says he can't send his father a message. Because what's going to happen? Send the father a message. Yaakov's going to say, Huh? I got good news. Yosef is alive and well. And the brothers say, oh, Dad, uh, we are going on a business trip to Egypt for a couple of days. We'll be back uh, next week. What are you doing in Egypt? I think we want to go see the pyramids. We want to go see Paro. We want to go see uh, the Sphinx. And uh, sure enough, before you know it, they'll go to Egypt. And uh, like we said, Mossad, they'll put some poison in his... Uh, they'll catch him in the elevator. And, uh, you know, there's many ways. And that's why Yosef doesn't say anything because... He, he, he's, he, he knows how he left the brothers. The, the brothers wanted him dead. And in Yosef's mind, until I know that their attitude changed, I, I can't do anything. And therefore, Parashat Miketz and Parashat Vayigash is Yosef now putting the brothers through a rigorous test to see if they have the same attitudes, and if they have the same attitudes, then Yosef will never say anything. They'll just say, yeah, good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I am not Yosef. So what does he do? So let's go now. With that hashkafa, now let's go look at the, uh, let's get the Pesukim in, in, in a different vein. So what happens? Let's go back if you have a homage open. We're going to look at uh, Perik Membet. Uh, li- li- listen to the way the Lev Melech says, beautiful. He sees the brothers. Vayiskor Yosef et ha-halomot asher halam lahem. Says the Rav, it doesn't say he remembered the dreams. It says he remembered the dreams Asher Halam Lahem that he dreamt about them and how angry they got when they heard the dreams about them that they could bow to him. And, and therefore he said, Whoa, I remember how angry these people were. They wanted to kill me. Therefore, I cannot tell them who I am. 
That's the way he learns the pasuk. Not like the Ramban. He remembered the dreams and therefore said, I have to make them come true. No. And how they took it, you know, not the right way. So his first, uh, first litmus test to test the brothers is, You are spies. Now, what is he trying to do by that? So the explanation is like this. This I heard from Rabbi Bernstein. He says, beautiful. The Melech doesn't bring it down, but Rabbi Bernstein brings it down. He says, sometimes you don't understand what you did to somebody else until you're in the same position. You, know, you have to feel it on your own skin first, and then you realize what somebody else uh, was going through. It's a lesson of life. So, for 22 years, they have falsely convicted an innocent man. Yosef was innocent. And they said, you're guilty. And it's the furthest thing from the case. Now, they never experienced being falsely accused, so they have no idea how it feels. So Yosef has to arouse these feelings into them, so he says, And they say, what? What is he talking about? We're not meragilim. And that's in order to get them to start to think, wait, we know that God always works in measure for measure. Why would they, why would this man suspect us if we're innocent unless we must have done that to somebody else? So he's trying to, he's trying to, again, he has to figure out what's in their brain. And he can't, he can't say it explicitly. Well, listen, I'm doing a survey. Uh, if you had sold your brother, would you forgive him? He can't, uh, we talk about that, they would, they would give it away. So he has to do it in a very subtle way. And now in the beginning, they don't make the connection right away, the brothers. They say, no, we're not spies. We're the son of, uh, of, uh, of, 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 of a man. Uh, we, we just came to get some food. And, uh, you know, nothing, nothing, nothing major. And he says, no, no. I know, I know Meragilim uh, when I smell them. And uh, he says, well, I want you to bring your younger brother down. And in the meantime, listen to this pasuk. All of you were going to go to prison. All of you. This part, people forget. All ten tribes went to jail. And they were in jail for three days. And now what happens? This is the amazing part. On the third day, Yosef comes along and he says, Zot asu This is what I want you to do. I'm a God-fearing person. If, if you're telling the truth, let one of the brothers remain here and let the other nine go. So what Yosef does over here, he changes his mind. This is an amazing thing here. He, he says, I fear God. I changed my mind. What is he doing? 
What is he trying to invoke from the brothers by saying, I'm a God-fearing man. Yesterday, or three days ago, I thought the right thing was to keep all of you in jail. But I made a mistake. As a God-fearing person, I think the right thing is, not to punish all of you, to let most of you go home and one stay. You know what he's trying to get them to think? This guy's the viceroy of Egypt. And because he fears God, he's able to rethink a decision that he made. You hear what he's trying to get them? He's trying to get into their brain without, without letting them know that he's going to get to their brain. He's saying, I know I said this three days ago, but I fear God. And it might have been too harsh. And therefore, I think we should uh, maybe do it a little differently. And that's to get them to say, hey, you know something? Maybe we made him. We're, we're, we're more God-fearing than this guy. That's for sure. And they don't know he's Yosef. And if, if, if this quasi-God-fearing guy can change his mind and, and, and admit that he was wrong in doing something, what about us? And by the way, it worked. All of a sudden, right after he says this, they start to say we're guilty. We saw our brother. He was crying to us. Maybe we were wrong. And the Uvain says, I told you so. I told you don't do it. And Yosef's listening to them. And Yosef, that is exactly what he wants to hear. If they, would have, if they would have said, this has got nothing to do with Yosef, we were right about that guy, it's good we got him, and if he would, if he would show up again, we'd kill him three more times, then Yosef would know exactly where. But they're not saying that, they sound very contrite. So the Pasuk says, Vehem lo ki Yosef. <laughs> Yosef is listening very good, and it's exactly what he wanted to hear. That's the information he wants to get out of them. So, listen to the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, he takes Shimon and lets everybody go. Vaisab Yosef, he fills their uh, sacks with, um, with food. Fine. Vaisu et Shivram. Okay, and they, and they make their way. Very good. Oh, listen to what I hear. Beautiful shot here. So the Pasuk says, when Yosef is giving them the new deal, Bring me your younger brother. And then I'll see if you're telling the truth or not. And then how do you learn those words? And they did so what? They went home and brought Binyamin. They didn't do that yet. Vayasukhin says like, and they did it. They went home and they got Binyamin. No, but that doesn't happen until a couple of Pesukim later. So what is this Vayasukhin? Now, Vayasukhin could mean, and they told them, okay. But that's not Vayasu. That's Vayomiru Ken. What is Vayasukhin? So I saw the pshat is that whatever Yosef just did by rethinking a decision as a God-fearing person they did the exact same thing. They rethought 
a position that they made. And that's why the next pasuk says, They modeled, it's almost like Yosef is a master psychologist. He's able to plant these seeds in the brains of the brothers and he's controlling their reactions. He's modeling a behavior and all of a sudden the brothers, Vayasuchen! Even without even saying Simon says, and, and, they, and all of a sudden they exactly follow what Yosef did. And what did Yosef do? He questioned the decision. And I'm saying, hey, what do we do with Yosef? Maybe, maybe, maybe we're wrong. Oh, and then what happens? He says, but I'm not going to find out until I see what they think of Binyamin. Because you see, it's my brother. So if they have claims against me, they're probably not too fond of you know, anybody that is related to me directly. Full brother. So bring Binyamin down. And right away, here's the brothers. We can't. Uh, the old man is going to be, be, be heartbroken from this. And they're really, they're really upset from it. So the Torah comes along and says, they come down to Yaakov. Eventually, they bring Binyamin down. And now what happens? He has to make sure that the brothers are going to defend Binyamin. And why are they going to defend Binyamin? For two reasons. It's their brother, and they don't want to hurt their father. So what does he do? He puts the gavia into Binyamin's sack, and then he comes along and says, Hey, who stole the gavia? Now, I, very important point. You know what, if I was the brothers, you know what I would have said? None of us stole the Gavia. It's Yosef playing games again with us. This guy is playing games with us. Why, why didn't they think right away, this is another, uh, it's another uh, tactic that he called us Ben Agilim, the money's back and I was, uh, he's, 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 he's playing games with us, this guy. So wh- why didn't they think it was Benjamin? To me, the first suspect would be the most likely suspect and that's the Viceroy. So they should have huddled and said, listen, I, none of us, have, we, we know we didn't steal it. Guy's playing games with us. Listen, we're going to open up all our sacks, but it's none of us. And even if we find it in one of our sacks, we're all good. It's his fault. But they don't do that. They open up in Yamin and say, oh, you're a thief. You did it. Because what does Yosef do before he puts the gavia in Binyamin's sack? He makes them a se'udah. Now, why does it have to tell us this? It says in the Pasuk, uh, they sit down. This is when they came back, before he puts the Gaviyah. And that's when he took the Gaviyah. When they were having a Suda, and they're eating, and they're drinking, they might have even gotten drunk. And what is basically Yosef trying to do to the brothers? He's trying to win their confidence. So now, after the Suda, they say, hey, he's a good guy, he's a good guy. I mean, look at this. He invited us to a royal dinner. He got kosher food for us. He didn't have to do that for us. Uh, he's an Egyptian guy. He could have gave us halal meat. No, he gave us kosher with the seal on it, special kosher, yashan. It's unbelievable. What, a, what kind of... He's not an anti-Semite. He's a good guy. And the Torah al-Shohan also, let us say. Very nice. So when they finish the Su'uda, now they see the gavia in the sack... The last one they think is, is Yosef because he's our friend. We just had Sauda with him. 
And that's on purpose because they want to now see if they're going to go after Binyamin. That's what he was planning. So right away, what happens? Yosef says, ah, oh, Benjamin, what do the brothers say? Take us all. Yosef says, interesting. Take us all. I would expect them to say, keep him. Keep him. Anyway, Benjamin, he's disposable. Just like his brother was disposable, he's disposable. Good luck to him. And they say, all of a sudden, Yehuda comes in, he's going to destroy the whole country. Enough is enough, you can't take him, they'll kill the old man. And, and it's enough with what, 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 what the other brother did. When we, when, we, when we got rid of our other brother, what is, what is, what is Yehuda's language? Yehuda's language is, Yeshlanu avzaken v'achivmet. His brother died. He's the only one left from that mother. And you said, no, bring him down. And we said, we can't. Lo yuchal. And you said, well, if you don't bring him down, you can't see me anymore. And we went down and our father was so sad. And we told him, Daddy, if we don't bring Benjamin, he's not going to give us any more food. So our father said, You know what you did to me, boys? I had two, two, two children from this wife. And one of them is lost. And I haven't seen him until this point. Now you want to take the second one? And now if we don't come home with Benjamin, And I guaranteed him. And in Judaism, when we guarantee something, we give up our Abba. And Yosef is hearing all this. And he's saying, okay, this is exactly what I need to hear. I need to hear that they feel bad that they sold me. I have to, they feel bad for their father. They don't want to put Binyamin through the same thing again. He's checking the boxes. Finally, once Yosef comes to the conclusion that the brothers are no longer a threat, that the brothers are no longer interested in killing him, at this point Yosef looks at his watch and says, now I can tell. He doesn't waste a second. But Yosef then says, but I got all these Egyptians over here. Get out of here. I can't. That means Yosef doesn't want to waste a second once he has all the information that he needs. Now there's no reason to even delay because now if he delays, now you're causing them pain for no reason. Now you're causing your father pain for no reason. So the first opportune moment that Yosef can reveal himself, he'll do it. And that's what the Pasuk says. But he says, I, can't. I want to say it right now, but I got these Egyptians and I don't want to embarrass them. So that's what it means why he had to, not that he couldn't wait to blurt out the information. Yeah, he said, now's the time. I'm not being pressured. I have to say it now. But I just have to deal with some other external factors like uh, all these anashim. In any event, and now we understand why he couldn't tell his father because, again, by telling his father, the brothers would find out and that would only keep him in the same sakana of Bikuah Nefesh that he found himself in. So this is a, uh, a, a third approach. The first approach being he didn't want to interfere with the prophecies. The second approach is he needed to give a rectification to the brothers. And the third, which I believe is the most understandable approaches, he was scared of the brothers. 
<laughs> then we're going to kill him. And therefore, until he can establish that he is out of danger, only at that point, after he put them through the, uh, the rigorous test to make sure that they have no grudges and they have total contrite, now he's able to say, Ani Yosef, Ha'odah Okay, we'll stop over here.